Hello, and thanks for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and I'm here today with Jesse McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist with ANAC, to discuss the top five highlights from the SNF PPS final rule. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Jesse. I understand that SNF PPS final rule was recently released by CMS. Can you tell our listeners what this means to them? Yeah, so um, every year CMS goes through the rulemaking process, and, and this process is required in order to make regulatory changes. So every spring, the proposed changes are released in the SNF PPS proposed rule. And that is always followed by a comment period in which SNF providers and stakeholders have the opportunity to provide comments and provide that feedback to CMS. And then in late summer or early fall, CMS has now reviewed all the comments and they released the final rule. Now, when you look at the final rule, it goes through everything that was proposed. It addresses and responds to the different comments and also provides a final decision. And that's what we just received is a final decision of whether their proposals are going to be accepted with or without revision, if they're delayed, or if the proposal was not accepted. Thank you, Jesse. The final rule is a very long document. What do you feel are the top five things our listeners need to know? Oh, it is a very lengthy document, and it covers several topics, including the Medicare program, the SNF PPS, which is the prospective payment system. It looks at consolidated billing, the SNF quality reporting program, and the SNF value-based purchasing program. If I were to talk about my top five, and I'm going to start at number five and work my way back up to my first highlight, my number five item is that the SNF QRP program will not be expanding to other payers yet. So in the proposed rule this spring, CMS proposed a requirement for SNFs to collect and report SNF MDS data for the SNF QRP measures for all skilled nursing facility residents, regardless of payer. And after receiving a lot of comments from the providers and stakeholders expressing concern on the additional burden that this would put onto the providers, CMS decided not to finalize the proposal at this time. Um, and again, that was the proposal to expand to all patients, regardless of payer, the SNF QRP reporting. CMS does plan to use information that was received during this rulemaking process to revise the policy for future rulemaking. Very interesting. We get a breather for now, but CMS isn't quite done with the proposal yet, it sounds. As we move up the top five highlights, what is number four on the list? My number four is the adoption of the sub-regulatory process to update ICD-10 codes for the purpose of PDPM. This allows CMS to make non-substantive changes to the PDPM mapping and list through this process. So roughly this will follow the same schedule that's currently followed by the ICD-10 Coordinator and Maintenance Committee in releasing updates to the ICD-10 medical code data sets, which usually occurs in June. It sounds like this is a needed process to keep nursing facilities informed, but one question pops out to me. How does CMS define non-substantive? Oh, great question, and one that CMS does address in this final rule. CMS states that they define a substantive change 
as a change to the mapping and list that goes beyond the intention of maintaining consistency with the most current ICD-10 medical code items. So a non-substantive change is a change that is not considered substantive. I know that might be a little confusing. So CMS did provide a really great example in the final rule. And they said to consider a hypothetical code of XYZ. And this is mapped to a comorbid condition in the list. If a revision of the ICD-10 codes splits this into XYZ1 and XYZ2, then CMS can update the mapping files to reflect these two new codes instead of the one single code through this subregulatory process. However, if CMS believes that the new code XYZ2 is not predictive of SNF cost of care, they may wish to remove this code. Now, this would be a substantive change, and it would require a change in policy, which can only be made through the notice and rulemaking process. Thanks for that clarification. It's very helpful. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Are you currently an experienced RACCT professional looking to take your reimbursement expertise to the next level? Then the RACCTA Advanced Certification may be just the program for you. Available for registration in April 2019, the RACCTA programs will be offered as a three-day workshop or 10-course online program. Learn more by visiting www.anac.org forward slash education forward slash RAC-CTA. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Jesse McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist with ANAC, about the SNF PPS Final Rule and her top five highlights. We are now at your number three top highlight of the SNF PPS Final Rule. All right, so my third highlight is the update to the definition of group therapy for Medicare Part A residents, which goes into effect on 10-1-2019. Currently, Group therapy under Medicare Part A is defined as treating exactly four residents performing either the same or similar activities. CMS finalized changing the definition for Medicare Part A residents only to treating two to six patients performing either the same or similar activities. This new definition better aligns the skilled nursing facilities with other post-acute care settings. Do you think we will see more Medicare Part A residents receiving group therapy under this new definition? I think we will see some increase as this allows a greater opportunity and flexibility to fall under the group therapy definition when the Medicare Part A resident will benefit from this type of therapy. However, I do want to point out that CMS did continue to stress that individual, that one-on-one -on -one therapy is still the preferred method, and therapists need to verify that group therapy is medically necessary and appropriate based on the needs of the resident. And we can't forget about the 25% cap that was finalized in last year's final rule. That's still in effect, and it becomes implemented also on 10-1-2019. CMS finalized a cap of 25% of combined group and concurrent therapy for the Medicare residents. So if treatment exceeds the 25% limit, the SNFs will receive a warning on the final validation report. CMS will be monitoring this. 
and exceeding the threshold on grouping concurrent can lead to increased medical reviews for the facility or could lead to future changes in the rulemaking if this issue is widespread. It sounds like CMS already has safeguards in place to ensure there is not overutilization of group and concurrent therapy. And that brings us to the number two top highlight of the SNF PPS final rule. What you got, Jesse? Oh, and it's a big one, Rebecca. So it's a big one, but we want to really take a step back because we have some time to prepare for this one. CMS finalized two new SNF QRP measures, and they will go into effect with the fiscal year 2022 SNF QRP program year, which means they will start collecting data next October, October 1st, 2020. So even though these measures were finalized with this year's fiscal year, we still have a full year till next October before the MDS will be updated to reflect these new items for data collection. So the two measures are both regarding transfer of health information. One is transfer of health information to the provider, which is a process measure identifying that SNFs provided a current reconciled medication list to the subsequent provider at the time of a discharge or transfer. The second measure is a transfer of health information to the patient, which is another process-based measure used to identify if the SNF provided the current reconciled medication list to the patient, family, or caregiver when the patient discharges from the SNF setting to a community setting, assisted living, group home, transitional living, or care under another organized home health service or home hospice care. So by adding these two new SNF QRP measures, how many total measures will we have? Well, currently we have eight MDS-based SNF QRP measures. And then we also have three claims-based SNF QRP measures. And when these two are added next October, that will bring us up to 10 MDS-based and three claims-based measures for the SNF QRP program. The SNF QRP program is really growing. And that also brings us to the number one highlight from this year's SNF PPS final rule. All right, so the number one highlight, and this is a big one, but also one that we have some time to prepare for, is that CMS finalized adding 59.5 new items across the SNF PPS five-day and PPS discharge assessments. Now, this will start October 1st, 2020, so we have a full year to prepare to start collecting data on these new data elements for the SNF QRP program. That is a lot of changes. Do we have any idea what is going to be added and how NACS can start preparing? Yeah, so CMS recently released three new documents regarding the finalized spades and all the information about what's changing to the MDS next October, the different data elements and how they fit into the SNF QRP program, that can all be found in these three documents. And we do have links to those documents in the recently released ANAC breaking news article regarding the SNF PPS final rule. And when we look at these changes, there will be some new items, brand new MDS items added, but there's also several existing MDS items that have more responses being added, which gives us a greater variety or be able to be more specific with our answers on the MDS. So, for example, 
uh, discharge status currently has 10 response options. And on October 1st, 2020, this will increase to 14 with the new data element. So we have additional items to choose from for that discharge status. Another example is a frequency option will be added to the pain effects on function during the pain interview. And we're also going to see some new medication classifications being added in section N, antiplatelets, hypoglycemics, and we're going to see a more robust discharge assessment with the BIMS and the CAMS assessments being added, as well as many other items. Like I said, 59.5 new items being added across the five-day and the PPS discharge. That is a lot of changes coming, Jesse. Do you have any advice for next? Yeah, so my best advice is to take it one step at a time. Don't worry about the new SNP QRP measures or the data elements that are coming next year. Be aware, but don't worry about them. Right now, focus on PDPM. We need to continue to prepare for PDPM, get ready for the transition this October, which you'll want to start preparing for well before October. And once we have a few months of PDPM under our belt and we are not feeling so overwhelmed by PDPM and we've gotten to that groove, uh, you know, this can really give us six, nine months into PDPM before we have to start looking at the processes that will have to change in order to collect the data for the transfer of health measures and those new data elements. But keeping in mind that a lot of these new data elements that are coming next October, they're going to require more specific documentation. And that's really the same thing that we're going to be focused on under PDPM. We're going to be needing really great supporting documentation on ICD-10 codes, on diagnoses, on uh, the conditions and wounds, infections, and so on under PDPM. And when we look at these new data elements, that's going to also require some of that same more detailed approach to documentation. So with the implementation of PDPM, we should be right uh, in the same track as preparing for these new data elements. And again, like the transfer of health, we should already be providing the resident with a reconciled medication list. This is simply now documenting that process on the MDS and ensuring we have a way for the NAC to very easily identify that process. So a lot of stuff that we need to look forward to, but let's worry about PDPM for the next few months and then we will really be able to tackle the SNFQRP data elements. That's great advice, Jesse. Any final thoughts on how NACs can help prepare their team? Yeah, uh, first is stay calm. If you're calm, your team will be calm. And as I said, you need to be aware and make your leadership team and your entire MDS team aware. Um, let them know, hey, we got some changes coming up, but we got a lot of time to prepare for them. And when your administrator and your director of nursing knows what's coming up and we can start looking at those processes uh, well in advance of next October, we can really establish sound processes before those data elements are even on the MDS. So keep your team informed so at this time next year, you will be ready. Thank you, Jesse. As NACs are busy preparing for PDPM, having these highlights on the final rule will certainly save them time and keep them updated. Listeners, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future update. For more resources and tools, please visit the ANAC website at www. 
aanac.org.